coming to you live from the Mistopheles Studios in Stark Bridge Radio. That's all we need, my friend. That's all we need. And pizzazz. I bring pizzazz. Pizzazz. I like pizzazz. Pizzazz. You have that style pizzazz. You know oh, what I'm saying? Baby. I drive an got- Dude, a guy at the funeral today, a guy at the, uh, the cemetery <laughs> asked me if I wanted to sell my car. Oh, shit. Of course. Of course. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> guy's like, I'm driving. He's like, that's a nice LX. I'm like, GT, homie. GT, bro. <laughs> yeah. GT, bro. Actually, yeah, GT, yeah. bro is exactly what I said. Yeah, GT see, bro. GT bro, yeah. it's an '84, and he goes, "Oh, I had one just like it." And in my mind, I'm like, "No, you didn't." No, you didn't. Yeah, because you would have known it was a GT. You would have known it was an '84 GT. Right, didn't. right. Not an LX. Fucking people. Yeah. I swear. Yeah. Uh, and he goes, "What? Are you interested in selling it?" I was like, "No, Fuck no, no, hell no." Pride and joy. I'm gonna fucking sell it to you. No. Have a good day, sir. Be on with you, sir. <laughs> I get out. I get out this way, right? Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Well, welcome to Dark Fringe Radio. This is how we're going to start this bitch off, motherfucker, tonight. (laughs) Hell yeah, man. Thank you for joining us on another edition of Dark Fringe Radio. And of course, uh, I love that like weird opening, how we're going to start doing that from now on, Jay. I'm just going to fucking break in like that. I like that. Just running start. Running start. Good energy, and that's why I like it, you know? I like it. But uh, hey, listen, thanks for joining us on another edition of Dark Fringe Radio. Tonight, we have a very special interview with Tony Brasunas. Uh, regarding his book, Red, White, and Blind. Uh, you can pick that up right now at redwhiteandblind.com. We'll get into all that information here in a little bit, but uh, we'll be talking to him. And uh, he is an independent journalist and um, author of this book where he basically worked for a very big um, publisher and publication in, uh, I believe, in New York. And uh, they basically blacklisted him uh, because of the story that he was pushing out uh, because of you know the narrative that they want to push out there. And uh, so this is all talking about misinformation and really, really interesting in conversation that I had with Tony Brasuna. So I hope you guys stick around for that. But tonight, Jay, man, we're going to get this thing started, man. This is uh, uh, our second episode for uh, 2023. And uh, you know what? I am really excited. We're going to have a lot more coming for you, everyone here soon. I want to remind everybody, please check out our website, darkfringeradio.com. Uh, make sure you go there and you can see all our stuff there, all our episode, everything is uh, available there. And uh, of course, our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, make sure you check that out. Uh, we got a lot of cool shit happening there too. Um, actually, Jay, I um, shared this video on Facebook. It actually got 25,000 views. That's a lot. It's a lot, bro. Hey, let lot. me show you. Let, let me show you what's going on here. But um, that's lots of people. Yeah, no, it's a lot of people. But um, give me one second here. So, uh, okay, so here's the video that I wanted to show you. That um, a lot of likes on Facebook and a lot of uh, views. So evidence that somebody had the capacity to explore the world during the last ice age. One of the things I find most striking is the presence of Antarctica on ancient maps because we didn't discover it until 1820 and yet it's on maps drawn in the 1500s with great detail which again were based on much older source maps that have now been lost to us they call it the southern land 
and it's larger than it is today, but it was larger than it is today during the Ice Age. What the fuck is it doing on a map drawn in the 1500s, which we know was based on older source maps when nobody knew it existed in the 1500s? To me, the obvious answer is we are dealing with the fingerprints of a lost civilization that mapped the world and that left evidence of that mapping, which ancient map makers found and used and incorporated into their maps. So, yeah, pretty interesting, huh? That's uh, Graham Hancock. I don't know if you've ever seen him, Jay, but he's on Joe Rogan a lot. And uh, pretty interesting guy. He uh, kind of, <laughs> he's not I mean, like a, good go point. Ahead, Jay. Oh, it it's is. A hell it's, of a point. it's a hell of a point and it makes it's perfect fucking sense. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard, to de- hard to debate that. So, yeah, they got well, over 20, 25,000 views on that uh, bad boy. And a lot of people are interested in stuff like this because well, I think a lot of people it? are, go ahead, Jay. But what if, and I'm just going to throw out a theory here because just shits and giggles. What if, because we know it comes from older source material, yeah? Mm-hmm. When was the Dark Ages? <clears throat> That's the thing. A lot of people speculate it's this X amount of a thousand years ago when it could be actually much more recent than what they people think. You know, there's a theory right now, like they say about Egypt, right? How ancient Egypt was like supposedly X thousand amount of years ago what four yeah four thousand years or six thousand years ago there a lot of people are theorizing that that's actually not the case that that was a much much more recent than it was uh originally thought they're saying maybe a thousand maybe two thousand at most so there's i think there's a to me i think we're still playing the peace game of our history i don't think we have it right to be quite honest with you i think we have an idea. No. yeah no timeline's <laughs> definitely not because no. it just doesn't seem right. And things kept getting older as like this guy's, you know, his shirt was saying. It's because we keep finding more and more remains of humans that are dating back further and further. You know, much more so, than what well, originally and, and thought. There's so many things like I was uh, I was actually just listening to something uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson talk about yeah. the core of the t- the core of the, the earth slowing and spinning right. in opposite direction. And apparently this is something that happens. So we have these calendars and dates and timelines, and uh, we mm-hmm. can, we build these constructs to help our brains understand the reality in which we have to grasp. But we might have the maths all wrong, and something like that now being discovered that would change all the timelines. If if it slows it down, and one day instead of being twenty four hours is twenty eight hours, I, I mean, who the hell knows? I mean, what the fuck do I know? I'm just it's an interesting point, and I. <laughs> would be curious to see how some of those smart people redo math. Yeah. And it's, it's happening because when we were in school, I fondly remember that we were taught that humans didn't come over until over the, uh, the Siberian Strait until they came to the top and then made their way down to North America. And that's how they populated North America. And that was over like 10,000 years ago or something like that. Now they're finding, yeah. Now they're finding supposedly like human remains that are going 50,000, maybe even a hundred thousand years before that and so that whole idea of that's how we came over here and this place wasn't populated before we got here is bullshit because now that whole that whole theory is out the window now yeah we're talking- i i that one really didn't hold much water for- <laughs> <laughs> i mean that's but that's what they taught us in school that's what they taught us in school. yeah i okay. you know what i mean <clears throat> sure and with the information and I, I know things change time and yeah. trying to you know and and also, and also, you know, we're young as a society. We're still young as a society. We're, oh, we're absolutely dumb. Yeah, no, absolutely. We're very, very young. That's why I think we haven't compared. met the aliens. 
yet, but we'll touch on that. I'm sure. <laughs> That's one coming up for the, in the next uh, couple of weeks here, Jay. I'm sure uh, we'll be touching on that. But yeah, no, it's just interesting stuff that I'm posting on Facebook a lot. Um, just to, you know, pique some interest on some you know alternative theories and and things like that. Because you know what, we really don't know. If you really think about it, we really don't know. We, we Jonah don't know. No, we don't know a lot, my friend. We don't know a lot. <laughs> no, no, take it easy. <laughs> Muy poquito. Muy poquito. Muy poquito. So, Muy that's poquito. right. So, um, yeah. yeah so make sure you check us out on uh, on our on our uh, social media again, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Dark Fringe Radio. So, um, yeah, Jen, let's get into some Dark Fringe news. And to, yeah. this week, man, we got some fucking heavy shit. This is some cool shit that we're going to be talking about. But uh, first thing, we're going to be talking about this Pfizer executive that um, thought he was on a date. And um, if he was not on a date, <laughs> uh, he unbeknownst to him, he was not on a date, but he it was, was actually a guy. It was a guy. Yeah. Yeah. It was a guy. And he had a very interesting date with another man. And uh, the other man just happened to start questioning about, you know, what he does and, you know, for his profession. And he, you know, divulged that he's a Pfizer executive. He does. He's in charge of the R&D department and things of that nature. And uh, long story short, he starts explaining uh, to this gentleman who's recording him on how the company Pfizer is um, basically uh, figuring out how to make money off the coronavirus uh, yeah. by mutating it over and over again and making you know vaccines for the mutations right away so they can have that already in place once that happens, if there's ever an outbreak. So um, I want to play this clip here, Jay. This clip has actually been taken down by YouTube, um, but um, at, at this point, Are you, sure you know, play yeah, we'll play it. Um, you know, if it gets taken down or we get uh, just blacked out for that part of the video, it is what it is. But we're just That's reporting on it. We're just back. reporting on it. Listen, it's not we didn't take the video. We're not responsible for the video, but we can play it and we can talk about it. We can give our our thoughts uh, and our. Yeah, absolutely. True. About it. And that's true. So nobody else can say anything about that. So uh, give me one second here, and we'll start the video. <laughs> All right, Jay, here's the video. Let's get this started. Hey there. Is this seat taken? You work for Pfizer. My question for you is why does Pfizer want to hide from the public the fact that they're mutating the COVID viruses. Is this real life? I'm literally a yeah. liar. This is real life. I was what trying to impress a person life? on a date What's your by question? lying. And this please, is please, absurd. Please don't touch me. Well, this is not why the way. Why don't, are you doing Don't this? tell this anybody. Someone who's just working at a company to literally help the public. You f***ed up. You really did. Please read the cost. As soon as possible. It's really very unsafe. Can you please unlock your door? No, you, no, don't let them leave. Please unlock the door. Give them why is no, going on so here? Stuck. Please unlock. Please unlock the door. Please unlock the door. And by the way, Jay, you see the desperation in this guy's face, right? Like, well, clear. Okay, there's a clear look of desperation in his face. Not, like, you knew that he fucked play, up, right? <laughs> not play devil's advocate, because yeah, okay, clearly, go ahead. Clearly, <laughs> he he's working up. for the empire. Okay, right. He's working for the empire. Clearly, okay, right. But let's be honest. He was kind of catfished. He was. Okay. That is kind of some entrapment bullshit. It is, but he is also is the nation, the worldwide R and D strategic also, operations also, scientific also, planning. Also, okay, I'm not saying both can't be true. 
No, you're right. I give you that. Okay. Uh, right. As much of a ginormous piece of shit as he is, and as <laughs> as much as he deserves to be brought to justice properly for trying to gain on uh, making people ill or preparing. Uh, well, it's not preparing it's, 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 the, it's the company, and who's going to go and get Pfizer? Well, Nobody. okay, perfect. But I do feel like that was just a bit, I don't know, a little across the particular line. <laughs> hey, let's see some more of this crazy bullshit I, of this guy. This is fucking wonderful. I love watching people. I like mean, this. everything is crashing. I I feel for the guy. His that's it. His life is over. Oh, he's over. I'm big ups to Project Veritas. That's the name of the company who actually put this together. Uh, those guys you know, had the balls to actually do something like this, but go ahead. I'm going to go ahead and... They're brave. What? Spies are not wanting the public to know that you guys are doing directed evolution. What's going on here? I guess it was like an interview. I know, it's kept freaking me out. I mean, these like flashbacks to that like same organization of like those conservative people who like randomly go into organizations and then like befriend people who work in these organizations and then report them, which oh, happened God. to people at Pfizer. So it's like freaks me out when people start asking a lot of questions about work. It's so oh, scary. Really? Oh, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah. Why would that be this company? Because I'm, I just want to know the answer. Oh, <laughs> uh, they cut us. Hold on, Jay. Why is Pfizer I, yeah, hide from? Really did. I'm about to. Hold on. They cut us. Long story short, go to Project Veritas on Twitter, and uh, yeah, it's interesting shit that's happening over there, Jay. Um, I don't know. Yeah. What do you think? Again, I mean, again. What's your thought? Give me your thoughts on this. I. Listen, this guy is one of many over there that are doing terrible, awful things. And they all do deserve to be brought. And and yes, their light does need to be brought on the nefarious actions. But catfishing a dude. <laughs> I think it's great. <laughs> yeah, well, shocker. William, shocker. Okay. <laughs> Okay. I love shit right. like this. And I don't so you know. Guys know. Again, I'm gonna point out. I'm gonna point out. Our entire childhood, he was known as like the sweet, innocent one, and <laughs> I was the one that everybody was told to watch out for because uh, I was a troublemaker. And it yeah. wasn't true. It wasn't true. I wasn't the troublemaker. I stopped a lot of trouble. <laughs> it's all like Robocop. There won't be any trouble around here. <laughs> Oh Lord, but yeah, I mean, listen, hey, Jay. Hey, I mean, this guy. Uh, you just see. Listen, and no. please, the, the clip is ten minutes long. Uh, we did it no justice by showing like three no. minutes of it. Uh, no, it's and really good. Uh, yeah, and, and, and again, part of me feels for the guy because he got right, catfish. Part that's of me feels saying. for the guy. Yeah, I, I'll give that's you that. A, that yeah. would be a shitty way to <laughs> to get fucked over. Yes. Yeah, yeah but. You know, you're fucking over uh, a lot of people I, and playing also, with people's lives, yeah. But also. But also, yeah. Yes, so. but also. <clears throat> yeah, it's weird, right? It's weird. It's weird. 
Yeah, it's one of those weird situations. Now it's that we live situation. in a, that we live in like a world of you know, cameras and things of that nature, and you it's know, a whole it's just, different world, bro. It is it's not like the eighties. You know, <laughs> you could no, get away with a lot of stuff in the eighties. Nobody was recording anything. Nothing. <laughs> there was I was nothing going like just just last night as we were driving uh driving yeah. to uh to go shoot pool. He and I carpool now because you know gas is yeah. expensive. Shit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. It's made from uh from from eggs. So <laughs> yeah, that's what it seems like. Crazy. Yeah, crazy. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. But we're talking about just how great how how it was you could just say things. Like he, mm-hmm. he got pulled over, he got his learner's permit in New York, uh, with different rules, just, came down here and got mm-hmm. pulled over, knowing full well that he shouldn't be driving, but he was like, Oh, I didn't realize that it was different. And they're like, Oh, okay, no worries. Have a good day. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Was, Wish yeah, I had that was, same situation happen to me. Okay. <laughs> yeah, have a great day. Okay. Well, Get out again, of the fucking guard. <laughs> okay. And again, friends, I point out my seventeenth birthday. Oh my god! Yes, I remember this. Here we go. My seventeenth. Tell the story, birthday. Jay. Tell the story, Jay. So my so eighty four Mustangs to turn on the lights. There's a little knob you have to pull out on the deck. <laughs> and yeah. When you're seventeen, you're driving at night. You don't know. Yeah. So we drove to blockbuster to get uh that's how much we're dating ourselves right now we went to where jay block where do we go fucking old blockbuster (laughs) yes we went to blockbuster yes and i was driving the the parking lot with my lights off and i'm just as equally as responsible because i didn't even notice that the fucking headlights weren't on either like the dumbass yeah it was bright like you could it was dusk it It was like one of those situations yeah it was just one of those things and the the cop was certainly being extra so the, the policeman pulls us over and he is of Latin descent very clearly. Uh, so the gentleman uh, asked for my license and registration, all that. My mother is an insurance agent, so I'm having a heart attack because uh, I think I'm going to die. My car's going to be impounded and crushed. So I'm hand the guy my information. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, true story. Uh, so I hand the guy my information. He gives me a ticket. He, as he gives it to me, he goes, happy birthday. So I'm just I'm elated that that's all that's happening. Complete dick, by the way. That's a complete dick move, by the way. But 100%. 100%. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Right. But. Because he did know, it in a sarcastic way. Like, I'm going to give you a ticket. It, it, was, it yeah. was dealt with. I had to go deal with my mother. Like, we're good. Uh, but yeah. what does Will yell? Will yells something <laughs> out in uh, Latin about the gentleman's uh, mother and his dog. And that's why he looks like whatever he looks like. Uh yeah, so, but he says it's Spanish, so I don't know. So we get back in the car. I'm like, what did you say? He's like, oh, yeah, basically, that, you know, his family dog fucked his mom. That's why he's so fucking ugly. And I was like, oh, because that's helpful. Thanks. Now, luckily, I don't know if the guy didn't hear it or if he did decide to let us go. Uh, uh, but yeah, yeah, again, no, he yeah. doesn't start the trouble. No, I didn't. I I was had I had a moment, Jay. You know what I mean? People have their moments. I had a moment. You know what I mean? Oh. That was being a dick. You know what I mean? No, 100%. No, no, no. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Joke was on right. him because it took him fucking forever to go rambling through your fucking car. Sure did. Sure did. I lived he'd that rifle, way. He'd rifle through that whole car and he was looking for sure something did. and he didn't find nothing. He sure did. And I'm just he sitting did. there like looking at him like, you stupid fuck. I'm like, keep going, brother. I was like, because you're not going to find shit but fucking yeah. old fucking That's stale nice. old french fries. <laughs> old wrestling stuff to become. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you're not going to find nothing, brother. Oh, so yeah, not one of my finest moments, but it's all good, you know. Hey, listen, it is what it is. But hey, 
Listen, this Pfizer exact. Let's see. Let's. It's. It's crazy. Uh, I. I don't know, man. I. Do I want to see more of this? I don't know. It's he, crazy. He's a douche that needs to be brought to justice. But I. There. Yeah. Are, there's got to be better ways to do it. That's all. I would be surprised you found them suicided in the back of an alley. But that's just me. I don't know. Right. Oh, suiciding. That's an interesting suicide. <laughs> With the big, eh, eh, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, eh, eh. <laughs> yeah, it's Mrs. Robinson. <laughs> oh, subtle. Lord, but oh, it's very subtle. subtle. All right, second thing I wanted to talk about tonight, Jay. Wow. Uh, really cool shit. Um, so, over in Hawaii, this big whirlpool, this big blue whirlpool appeared in the sky out of nowhere. Oh, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah, bro. This is some crazy shit. I want to show you this video and I wanted to cool. see what you think. I, oh, I, again. We know what I think. No, listen, check this out. This was recorded by um, a space station. So it was like a one of those space stations on land that just looked at the stars constantly yeah. uh, in Japan. In Japan. So uh, that's what you'll see the yeah. Japanese characters there on top. But Give me a second. So see that, Jay? Uh, yes. Look at that. That's real time, bro. Look. Look at that. Huh. That's fucking amazing, no? Yeah. Look at all the stars yeah. fucking going back and forth, all the shooting stars. Yeah. Here's the, here's the whole sequence again. You'll see it on the top left-hand screen. And you can see it's starting from here. Yeah. And look at that. So some kind of resonance came off of it right there. And this is where it starts to get kind of weird. Here we go. Look at that, Jay. Bro, oh, if you saw that. At all. No, it's not, right? <laughs> Tell me if you saw that in real life that you would be scared as fuck, bro. Uh, oh, oh! I don't have to see it in real life. I saw it right there. I'm good. That's, That's crazy, bro. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah, people play pranks and shit, but sometimes, I don't know, stuff like that just kind of, that's just kind of, I don't know. Yeah, so they're saying Unsettling? supposedly, they said it supposedly had something to do with a piece of SpaceX uh, debris that went out. They're not saying that's what it is for sure, though. So to me, it's all bullshit. They don't, I think they just don't know what the fuck it was. That's just my fucking opinion. It, I mean, it it's hard for really smart people to say I don't know. So they go, "That's what it, it could be." This that's all they said. Yeah, they didn't say it definitely was that, or yeah. they believe that it definitely was that. They said it could yeah. be that, and that's all it's they possible. said. It's possible. It's possible. It's possible. It's possible. Possible that I was high outside looking at that, and maybe I just you know imagined it. Also, possible. Possible. <laughs> Very possible. Anything's possible, brother. Anything's possible these days. Oh, so yeah, man. A lot of weird shit's happening in the sky. A lot of weird shit. Yeah, not not yeah. concerning at all. Not concerning at all. But that no. one is most interesting because of the way it looked. It looked almost completely fake, but it's real. Like you look at that shit, and you're just like, how does something make that? Well, that right. design and and you know, it's just so amazing. Believe it or not, the design yeah. itself, while that's really cool and, and hard to believe that, that was made somewhere in nature, you could yeah. venture to say that 
with all that happens in space, something like that could be gases exploding, something hitting off something. Just so yeah. that you, you know, you, you just happen to look up at the right spot. It's right. when all the other stars start to kind of move around it. Right. That's what makes it real. Then, yeah. Yeah. That's what makes it real. Okay. I yeah, know. if there was nothing else going on, that's it's where concerning. it's like, okay, right, yeah, it's concerning. I, yeah. yeah, 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 I'm with you, brother. I'm with you. <laughs> We're yeah. here, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's something's going on, man. It's not good. Um, I don't know if it's good. Who knows? It could be good, could be bad. It could Who be. Knows, right? It could be good. Yeah, let's be optimal. Optimist about this, right? Let's see. We'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, I'll leave it up to you guys. But, uh, yeah, listen, that's... Yeah. The, what were you gonna say, Jack? <laughs> I was gonna say it kind of reminds me of my favorite, my favorite uh, Twilight Zone episode. Uh, uh, which Third one? Man. Which one is that one? Is that the one where he's in the the city and he's going around the city? And no, no, no. So that's no? the one where the aliens come down. They solve all Earth's problems. They solve war, oh, and yeah, yeah, and all yeah, that. Yeah. And they start taking people back to their planet. And they mm-hmm. carried these books. That everybody kind of thought it were like their Bibles and whatnot. Um, <clears throat> but a code breaker. Ended up getting one of the books and figuring out that actually it, it was uh it was a recipe on not how to serve man as in how to help book. us but more on how to <laughs> cook and prepare and then devour yeah. us yeah a la uh, Hannibal style on. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah crazy shit no yeah, yeah I love no, the Twilight Zone I, great yeah. shit man yeah yeah talking Tina remember that one uh, unfortunately. Yeah, what? hi, I'm talking Tina. <laughs> I want to kill you. <laughs> like, what? You're a doll. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. What is going on right now? <laughs> I threw you away. Now you're back. How's that happening? Oh, yeah. Anyways, um, but listen, that's a nice little wrap for Dark Fringe News. Jay, this is uh, now your court. We're coming up to What the F Florida Man. What do you have for this week for What the F Florida Man? All right, friends. Well, after. Many, many minutes of searching long in the very first link I saw when I Googled uh, funniest, <laughs> most recent Florida man stories. Oh, Lord. <laughs> uh, come across the, the very first topic. Uh, so. Devour. What do you got, Jay? Florida man found drugs. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Take two. Okay. Florida man found with drugs after getting trapped in a porta potty. Ooh. Kind of a shitty situation. Like, literally. <laughs> wink, wink. You think this is one of these asshole friends like fucking knocked over the porta potty on the, the side where the door is and now he can't get out? Asshole for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's hear the story, Jay. Is there any more to this at all or what? It's... So let me paint a picture for you. Uh, let's see, uh, a shitty picture? A lot of browns. A lot of browns. Lot of yeah. was some brown trees over here. A little bit of greens. Uh, a brown tree. Yeah. <laughs> Have little trees over here. Yeah, happy little tree over here. <laughs> Collier <laughs> County, Florida. What does that remind you of? Oh, laces Jay. out, yeah. Dan. Laces out. Yeah. Collier County, Florida. Collier County, Florida. A Florida man found stuck inside a porty potty was arrested on drug charges after deputies found him screaming for help. According to WBBH, deputies with Collier County Sheriff's Office were called after reports of a suspicious person and someone shouting for help. When the deputy arrived, the man could be heard yelled, uh, yelling loudly. As the officer got closer, he saw a foot sticking out of the bottom of the porta potty. 
<laughs> and the deputy was able to get the man out who was 34 years old, Mr. James uh, Gussi, G-O-U-S-S-E. I apologize for mispronouncing that. No, that's, that's really shitty of me. <laughs> uh, yeah. Deputies said uh, they, he had told them that he'd gotten his foot stuck in the door. Uh, once the, <laughs> the deputy had, found, had opened the door, uh, that's when they had found the baggie with a powdery substance, which later turned out to be fentanyl as well as ah, a something. So he went in to get himself some bakey-bakey. He got all locked in there because he was high, and then he got caught with his dash. And, and that's me full of shit. Shitty. Man, that's shitty. <laughs> it's wonderful. Well, listen, it, uh, it, wow. You know what? Yes. <sighs> it's just one of those weird situations where it's just like, you're just not a good criminal at that point. You just leave it alone. You're just horrible. You know what I mean? Just give it up, man. Do something else. Come with on, your guy. Because you, you can't even do that. You know, you're getting arrested in a water body with that all on you. You're not doing something right with your life, man. So, uh, yeah, that's pretty. You need Jesus. Well, listen, a uh, very shitty story coming out of Collier Corn. Oh, excuse me. Collier County, Florida. Excuse me. Uh, so, Jay, I appreciate that for what the Florida man. We really do appreciate that. Up next is our interview with Mr. Tony Brasunas, of course, the journalist and author of Red, White, and Blind. You can find his book at redwhiteandblind.com. It is available now uh, and also available on Amazon and everywhere else you can find those kind of books. And uh, there's going to be an online opening or online uh, book release on February 7th. Go to his website, tonybrasunas.com. That's T-O-N-Y-B-R-A-S-U-A-N-S.com. And uh, make sure you check that out. Yeah, a nice online opening. He'll be doing a Zoom meeting. Uh, very interesting stuff. So make sure you go ahead and check it out. But we're going to have this very interesting talk about misinformation and America. And so uh, please don't uh, don't go too far and check it out. Don't touch that tile. Yeah, yeah. That's that. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, guys. Thanks for joining us on another edition of Dark Fringe Radio. Uh, tonight, um, we're going to be talking about a really serious subject. Um, you know, the corporate media is splitting us apart. Uh, as a nation by telling different groups of people uh, different versions of the same story. And worse off, uh, many of us hide our true thoughts uh, for fear of being shamed or canceled at work by those in our own families and communities. Um, news reporting the corporate media is not only polarizing, but often very deceptive and distorted uh, as the Chinese media. Many Americans don't know this because our channels are more sophisticated. Uh, thus, Americans divided. Uh, thus, Americans are divided and deceived and confused. So, um, tonight we have a very special guest. He is an independent journalist. Uh, he's also an author of Red, White, and Blind. He was censored and sacked by the Huffington Post in 2016 for covering the Democratic primary from a different or wrong perspective, as they would say. And he's been researching uh, censorship, media distortion, and disinformation for, in America for five years. Now, with the extinct hope that the underlying facts about the fake news in America and the disinformation that is peddled every day in our corporate media will inspire Americans to exercise and defend our rights to free speech and a free press. He's the author of Red, White, and Blind. Please welcome to Dark Fringe Radio, Tony Persunas. Tony, welcome to Dark Fringe Radio, my friend. Thank you so much, Will. I really appreciate it. Uh, delighted to be here. Awesome, man. Thank you so much, man, for coming on the podcast. This is definitely right up our alley. This is what we love to talk about. Um, misinformation and or disinformation or whatever you want to call it. It's running rapid these days. I mean, um, 
I was literally uh, watching TV the other day and I was flipping through channels and I was watching the coverage of the FBI raid of Mar-a-Lago, <laughs> which was a very hot topic here in the last few days here. Yeah, and um, sure. right here in my backyard, matter of fact, right here in West Palm Beach, I actually live in West Palm. So um, it's really seriously weird because it's like you're almost living in two different worlds. Like you can change the channel to one channel and they're telling they're talking about the same event that's happening, but from a completely different skew and view. And then you go from an, another channel and it's supposed to be news as well. And it's exactly the opposite. So it's like you're living in the upside down world. Um, talk to me, man. Talk to me. What 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 pushed you to do this book? Uh, what what brought this whole catalyst on of the red, white and blind? Sure, absolutely. Yeah, and we can get right into that, why the uh, the media is deceiving everybody and at the same time tearing us apart, right? So how, how do they call mm -hmm. it news if it's, uh, you know, two completely different versions of reality? So mm -hmm. I started this, um, I started writing Red, White, and Blind um, in 2019 uh, is when I started. And so it was before the pandemic and the whole topsy-turvy world that we went through in 2020. So it was really interesting as I started writing it about media deception and censorship and propaganda, and then just watch these things sort of like spiral out of control, or maybe you could say mm. like take three orders of magnitude um, up. So that was really interesting. But before that, I mean, as you mentioned, I was um, in 2016, I was writing for Huffington Post, and I can get into mm -hmm. how they brought me on board and stuff if you're interested, but yeah, I was covering please. the Democratic primary and quite a few of my... I was covering from the Bernie Sanders perspective, which there was not a lot mm. of people writing from that perspective uh, for a number of reasons. And so my my articles would get uh, a lot of following. I would get 50,000 views, 100,000 views. Sometimes my pieces would even make it on the front page of the Huffington Post. And then um, I was censored. I was just taken down. I wrote an article. I have a whole chapter in the book about this experience. It was quite wild where I had written an article and I'd published it and I watched the, the views go up right before I got into bed that night. It was a 20,000 or 30,000 views. I don't remember specifically. I woke up the next morning, it was gone. And it was a really interesting experience. Mm. I, I had heard about censorship, but it was kind of still this thing that I didn't really know if it was going on. And so to really experience it firsthand was really eye-opening. And I was about to get on the plane to go to, the, to Philadelphia where the convention was that year, the Democratic convention, mm -hmm. just a few days later. And um, when I woke up that morning and the, and the article was gone, I, was, I couldn't even log into Huffington Post anymore. I was totally gone from it. Mm, um, mm. But I noticed something that was really interesting. And this became a kernel that has become the book, which was um, independent media was really sort of coming into its own at that time. And so what happened is I went on and I found people on these various places, Reddit and wherever you can imagine, all these different places talking about my piece and saying, where did it go? And you had this whole phenomenon where people, there's this instinctual um, craving for the truth that people have when they hear something is censored, they want it even more, right? There's this mm -hmm. sense, we don't want to have the truth taken away from us. And so what happened is somebody had copied the article before it was taken down. I was able to grab it from them, post it on medium.com, which where I had sort of a blog. Mm -hmm. And then I tweeted, I put that on Twitter and then I got on the plane and flew to Philadelphia and when I, you know, when I was there, I realized it had become my most read, most popular piece that I, that I had written the entire year. Right, which is really interesting because it wasn't Huffington Post had tried to take me down, but the piece became more popular. So mm -hmm. that really was the founding sort of germ of, of what became the book. And then as you know, Trump won the election and went and and during those four years of the Trump term, we really saw this whole fake news thing come about. And what is fake right. news? Everything was fake news and or not fake news. And some people used it 
uh, obviously to talk about independent media, but then a lot of people are starting to use it about the corporate media. And so that's, that's right. the beginning of the book. And that's what I've been researching for now, uh, you know, three, four Yeah. Years. No, this is great. I mean, you know, it's so weird that you said that. It's so true how the focus went from the fake media perspective to the independent journalists. And then it kind of got shifted over to the the more mainstream people. And that's where it's stuck. It's stuck at right now. Um, you know, as far as the, you know, independent journalists right now, they're actually more of the real news um, than anything else um, these days that you can find at least. And um, it's crazy. I was going to ask you a question regarding the Huffington Post and how that all worked out. I was going to ask you if it was like kind of like a slow burn, like did they start slowly like taking down your stuff? But no, it was like an overnight thing. And it just happened to be that it was your most viewed um, article that you've ever done. It, it started to get too big, right? Well, it, more or less. I mean, basically, yeah, there was no slow burn. I, I heard nothing from anybody. As far as I knew, right. I was doing great. I was bringing a lot of viewers. You know, people were talking. In fact, one of my pieces was about election fraud and investing. Mm. And I thought that would have been the one taken down. That piece actually ended up being cited in a lawsuit against the Justice Department. They listed my wow. article in Huffington Post as reasons that the, the Democratic par uh, primary, and it was the one in California, I believe the lawsuit was about in 2016, and I, I wasn't taken down for that. It was the, the piece that I wrote was um, was was right on the eve of the convention. And I was basically saying, look, you know, neither candidate Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders has a majority of the delegates enough to win. They're going to need the superdelegates to, to call the shots, or, you know, break the tie at the convention. And look, we should probably go with the guy who's more trusted and head to head polling is polling better against uh, Donald Trump. And it makes sense to go with them, even though, you know, the sort of corporate establishment would prefer Hillary Clinton. And I, I made the arguments and I listed a number of reasons why Bernie Sanders was trusted and mm. Hillary Clinton was not trusted. And some of those reasons, you know, I was just sort of laying them out. But for whatever reason, I was pulled down and it was gone. And um, that was the one. And so, no, I... It, 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 I don't know how much traffic it got on Huffington Post. It became my most read article after I posted it on after. Medium. Okay. So that was really why I saw the rise of independent media, because if this piece isn't, does my Medium piece wasn't getting any corporate media, you know, support. It was just Twitter mm -hmm. and people interested. In right. It, you know, so that yeah. was, that was, was really interesting. Yeah. And like you said, there is craving and there is a clamoring for the truth from people out there now, um, even more now than ever because of how bad things are in the media. Um, do you think it's dangerous uh, that our country media sources are like they're increasingly telling us a different story all the time? Like this is like it's like mirror world. I mean, it's it, does, is this going to get any better or is this going to get worse? Do you think? So that's two questions. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, Let me get into it. I, I think. Is it dangerous that there's two versions of stories? So one of the things I get into in the book is that when the framers of the Constitution, you know, coming out of the Great Enlightenment, um, mm -hmm. put the freedom of the press in our Constitution, it was not because they thought there would be one big newspaper that would tell the truth and that newspaper should be defended. That wasn't what it was. And that wasn't the state of, of affairs in the day. It was mm -hmm. there was many, many different voices and every voice was different. In each city, there'd be a newspaper or there'd be a publication from the Italians or the Republicans or well, there are no Republicans yet. But, you know, the labor, you know, as, as you went through 18, the 1800s, you had this flowering of, of the press where you had all of mm -hmm. these different voices. And, yeah, they were different accounts of the same thing. Right. So the freedom of the press is not about professional journalists get to do what they want. It's like the freedom of speech. 
anybody can speak, anybody can publish what they want. Anybody can, you can, you're enjoying the freedom of the press right now, as am mm -hmm. I, because we're putting mm -hmm. our things out to people through the press. I mean, here's the internet, mm -hmm. right? It's, it's freedom of speech plus press is what allows us to communicate and communicate about politics. Right. So I think we're getting back to that actually. Um, mm -hmm. and, it's, and it's a fractious time and it's kind of difficult, but what we're seeing is the breakup of this sort of, uh, you know, single monolithic corporate media that was consolidated over the last 50 years into four or five giant corporations that own everything that we're supposed to believe, everything that we're supposed to hear and read, mm -hmm. that is breaking apart. What we're getting is a rebirth of uh, what I would say was the original vision of the free press, which is lots of different voices. And right. that's just what it is, because there is no such thing as objective news. Like you and I could tell different versions of this conversation, right? And right. one of us be right or wrong. We might exactly. not be even trying to, you know, be dishonest. We just have a different version, right? Because we have different kinds of biases based on our perspective and stuff like that. Correct. So the job of citizens in voting in their democracy is to have a balanced media diet to some extent. Try to at least read outside of your, your thought bubble. That's the idea. And that's what I get into in the book is we're going into what I call a new enlightenment. This new enlightenment is a time mm -hmm. where, again, we have a flowering of different views. Again, there's revealing of truth. A lot of truths that were hidden for the last hundred years are coming out. It's a new enlightenment. The powers that be want to put the milk back in the bottle. They want to keep their power, just like the, the feudal lords and the, and the Catholic bishops wanted to do that you know, before, the new before the first enlightenment. Mm -hmm. They wanted to keep hold of all of the power. Now we see the big corporations want to do that. So we're moving into a time where this is this is just the nature of it. It is difficult, right? There's a challenge of like, yeah, Mar-a-Lago, like what happened there? Did the FBI, uh, were they justified in raiding the home of a of a previous president? And I've right. read different versions of it. And and you know, we could we could dive into it if you if you'd like. But I think the point is that this is it's not something to fear. We're moving into an environment in which it's more, it's more honest because there's going to be a diversity of voices. And our job is to ideally read more broadly and come to our own truth. Yeah, I, I totally agree. A hundred percent. One thing I, I am afraid of, and one thing I do fear is censorship. And that is something that is starting to become a problem, um, especially with social media these days. Um, of course, you have the Facebook fact checkers, um, which are completely opinion, um, which has been stated by, you know, many people. Um, where do you see this whole censorship game going now? I mean, now that it's hard to even post things on the internet, it's hard to post things on social media, especially if it's from a very different view than what the mainstream media portrays. Um, where do you think this whole censorship is going? Yeah, it's a great point. And that's censorship. I, and I write about this in the book is the one or one of the very few things that science and democracy cannot survive. Right. It's anathema to the enlightenment, your first enlightenment, basically what created our constitution, what created this country. Because if you have censorship, then you can't rely on science. Mm -hmm. There's no sense that, that you would be arriving at the truth because you've removed certain views and you can't have democracy because you'd be removing certain views of, of, of facts. So mm -hmm. it is very dangerous. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that is one of the reasons I wrote the book and spent all this time researching this is because there is a danger of censorship and we do see it encroaching. And there are people on both sides that see it coming from different sides and, oh, sorry. No problem. Um, yeah, so there, there are, yeah, I mean, so censorship is an issue and I do think that we need to be concerned about it. And so, and part of the reason, part of the way that we defend it is by exercising free speech. Right. So just 
that's how you save and preserve rights is by exercising them. So get out and say something controversial, you know, get out and say something somebody might not want you to hear, mm-hmm. do podcasts, you know, have right. shows, uh, talk about these things, research these things, and and then we can support each other. So if you see me uh, getting censored, which could happen to my book, it could happen to anything I'm writing, then then I hope you'll come to my rescue and, I, and I'll do the same for you. And of that course. way, you know, that's how we have to uh, to defend this. And, and I think the majority, when you pull people, the majority of Americans see it that way, even if they're on, uh, you know, different sides of the news. I agree. I agree. And, you know, um, one thing that, you know, is so important is that, like you said, to support one another, support each other when it comes to these kinds of things, because if you don't, then nobody else will. Um, and then, you know, you end up down the censored hole, you know, and that that could be a very you know dangerous thing for some people, too. But um, one thing I wanted to talk to you about is, you know, all the stories, all the major stories that's come out in the last, you know, three, four five years, uh, especially politically. There's been so much stuff that's been going on, obviously. Um, what do you think? What are some of the stories that you find that have been the most distorted, uh, maybe most skewed in our media as of late? That's great. Yeah. And that's that's really where I start, because Mm -hmm. I I feel like when we get into this topic, it's so easy for people to sort of move into their bubbles and decide (laughs) first, try to figure out what side you're on, whether they want to listen to you or not. Right. So in the book and and I I like to jump right into some of these stories, like one of the ones is Jeffrey Epstein, the Jeffrey Epstein story, which I think is really instructive. You know, both sides tend to see this as, as clearly a myth. Like, how is somebody able to run essentially a pedophilia ring? Mm-hmm. for hundreds, possibly thousands of girls at the mm-hmm. very apex of power in the Western world for decades mm-hmm. and get away with it um, and and be arrested and then still get off, right? And have that happen time and again. I mean, it's it's just insane and it's it's awful, right? And so what happened there was we had, and I get into the book, three different types of bias. We have um, what I call nefarious bias, which is, you know, uh, actual manipulation of the news by covert forces. You have systemic bias, which is just the bias that exists in organizations. Then you have innocent bias, which is the bias that we have just based on our background and sort of our our particular personality and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so you have all of those three biases definitely concealing uh, the Jeffrey Epstein story. Um, But yeah, boy, what a big one. Another one that I really (laughs) get into is um, the origin of the, of COVID, the origin of the coronavirus. Oh yeah. That's a big one. Right was completely censored for for eighteen months. I mean, in some ways, it's still censored. You know, unlike some some corporate media news, you still can barely talk about it. But at this point, it's almost certainly that's where the virus came from was out of this lab in Wuhan. And there's people saying it came even before that. It came from maybe labs in this country or somewhere else. But certainly, it almost certainly it came out of a lab. But that story was censored, and that is when I'm get, I was talking about science, mm-hmm. how censorship stops science, because if we were able to know the origin of the virus from day one, or at least from within the first couple months, I mean, immediately people had this theory, but they were shut down. It would have been much easier to sort of get to, to understanding how to deal with it, how to treat it, right. how to all of these kinds of things to know the origin of something is, is very helpful. So let me yeah, jump in there real quick. Really if you don't mind. And there, there, there are two stories that I think mm-hmm. fairly across the board, most people see as, as problematic. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's so funny that you mentioned the Wuhan thing because it's so true. Uh, I remember at the beginning when the story broke that it came out of a lab in Wuhan, you know what I mean? The whole coronavirus thing. And people were posting this on social media and then it was getting censored, saying that it's disinformation, that it's wrong, this and that, you know. 
and, and it continued to happen to people constantly that, you know, they would post this and then literally, I don't know, I think it was maybe six months ago, eight months ago, 10 months ago, I think the BBC came out with a story saying that, yeah, it definitely did come out of a, <laughs> a lab in Wuhan, you know what I mean? And they didn't censor that, you know what I mean? Because it was from the BBC, but you know, us everyday people, we, we know a story or we think we know a story and we perpetuate that story and it's false information. And then, you know, the BBC does a story on it and it's not. <laughs> and so, and, and that's, it's, that's an important story because what that shows <laughs> is that accelerates the shift away from the corporate media and towards independent media. Because mm -hmm. what you have is you'll have a number of people. Now, some people are still going to wait. It's if it, if it shows up on TV or if it's in the BBC, it happened. And if it didn't, it doesn't, or it doesn't, it didn't. Right. Mm -hmm. But that those numbers are dwindling and what's growing are the people that see, because all you have to do is see one or two stories where it's reported one way in the mm -hmm. corporate media, but you know personally that it's it's otherwise. That only has to happen a couple of times, sometimes just once, maybe about the origin of the virus. And then you kind of wake up and you're like, you know what, I, I guess I'm being lied to by this uh, corporate media machine. And oh, guess what? They're mostly funded by the pharmaceuticals or they're mostly funded by, you know, military industrial complex. And so it makes sense. That's where they're trying to make their money. Um, mm -hmm. And there's other reasons that they do it as well. It's not just about the, the money they get from their advertisers. But yes, yeah, so you have a story like that, like the origin of the virus, and you have these, it finally it comes out that this, that it was, came out of a lab, um, almost certainly. All of the people that remember when this was talked about and it was censored, like they're, they're, it doesn't just go away. They're like, oh, so they lied to us about it for a year and a half. Yeah, it was on the fact checkers. It was fact checked as like pants on fire lies. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's what we know it's true. Right, that's why right. Sometimes right. I hear these days, and I can't claim source uh, credit for this, but somebody said it and I liked it, which is, um, we're in an era where a conspiracy theory is a spoiler alert. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. And that's why I love being a conspiracy theorist. Um, you know what? Uh, the, the propaganda has gotten so out of hand. I think, you know, there's even propaganda, you know, in our media that, you know, even though it may not be Chinese or Russian media, that's much more distorted. Ours is it's more sneaky in our in our way. We, we kind of sneak it in a little bit more differently. And what you've kind of just explained there, you know, how we have, you know, people kind of pull on the strings from above. It It's it's easily just inserted into our psyche through the news uh, even more now than ever. How is our media different or is it, you find it more distorted now than it ever was before? Um, what's, what's your opinion or take on that? Yeah. So this is where I say I'd use that term slow burn. I think it has been a little bit of a slow burn. I mean, I, I right. do compare in the book, American media to Chinese media, because I spent some time in China. I was there when I was uh, young teaching English when I was just out of college. And, um, and I went back to China as well. I was just really interested in the culture and things and um, not mm -hmm. interested at all in their political system. I think it's absolutely what we do not want here. But what I noticed is that their media is uh, certainly controlled and it's certainly propaganda, but it's a bit more crude. It's a bit more obvious. And mm -hmm. people there tend to know it. That's a big mm -hmm. difference, right? A lot of people there know that their news is propaganda from the government because there's there's no there's no like diversity of sources. Whereas right. in this country, it's much more sophisticated. There's a whole array of sources, so you can you get this illusion of this really free, fertile press that's reporting on things from all these different perspectives. And you've got the Atlantic, and you can listen to NPR, and there's like you know Fox over here and things like that. Mm -hmm. But what I like 
basically what I call this in the book is the most sophisticated propaganda instrument ever created uh, in history. It's fabulous in a way. I mean, if you just stand back and marvel at it, um, it's Mm -hmm. pretty amazing. But there's been this slow burn, I think, um, of it becoming worse and worse to the point that it's, it's not more like the Chinese media. It's just it's just more distorted and more deceptive and more um, divergent from reality. And so what that's doing is it's this sort of this vicious cycle, because as as they make false reports, like about the origin of the virus or Jeffrey Epstein, people start to move to independent media. And that scares the corporate media because their most precious thing they own is the control over the narrative. And I really get into this term, the narrative, because it's a good word for describing the story. It's not just one article in a day. It's a narrative over several weeks or months. It's a dangerous virus we have to hide from. It's the Chinese are really evil and they're coming for, you know, there's like a narrative and the corporate media needs control of the narrative in order to continue to have all of their power. And as people start to move away from corporate media and start to turn on to independent media, they get worried that they're losing control of the narrative. And so they have to try even harder. And it's a vicious cycle because then that means more people leave and start to realize that they can get more accurate news from independent media and it continues to cycle. And that's what we're seeing. And so I, I actually believe we're in the death throes of this giant corporate media behemoth. And it's, it's mm. just starting to fizzle out. Um, the tree is, you know, dead at the trunk, but it still has right. a lot of green leaves, you know, kind of right. thing. Um, yeah. 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 It's so funny in the Jeffrey Epstein uh, case, uh, for instance, uh, I remember throughout the the whole debacle, you know, um, the political parties, the Republican and the Democrats, I mean, they were tossing that thing around like, oh, you know, such and such person was there with them. And, you know, such and such person was there with them. It was like almost like a political volleyball, like or a hot potato, like. Yeah, no, no, you, this is for you. This is yours. You know what I mean? That's, that's exactly what they kept trying to do and throwing it back and forth. And it was just like, like what you just talked about the narrative, how important that is and how they get, they got behind it and put their own spin to it. But it was, it was so crazy because it was like every other week it was like, oh, this guy was there and no, 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 this guy was there. And it was like, it was very crazy, but that getting behind the narrative is very important. Like what you said. Um, One question I wanted to ask you was, um, you know, throughout that whole, you know, the 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 Jeffrey Epstein trial and stuff like that and how it got so just crazy. Did you find like that the media just like it was like it went dead as soon as that he he killed himself, supposedly, right? I mean, it was like the story just died. I mean, they didn't there was no more coverage of it. There was nothing no more. I mean, yeah, I know the guy died, but there's still got to be more to the story, but it just seemed like everybody just left it, let it go. And that was it. Was that, was that oh, your yeah, opinion? Was, as oh it? no, I totally agree with you. It, it was, was creepy. Stunning. Yeah. yeah. And, and I write about that quite a bit in the book. I mean, this, the story was, I mean, the story, it was sort of this hot potato. Nobody wanted to touch. Right. And nobody wanted to touch it. Nobody wanted to touch it. Finally, it was this um, journalist at the Miami Herald who was no, basically a sort of a nobody, uh, Julie, uh, is her name Julie Brown? I believe it's Julie K. Brown. Mm-hmm. I should check that. But um, I, I shouldn't call her a nobody, but she was not like one of their big prestigious journalists that went out and like, of course, like had written about this and now writes, writes about that. She started mm-hmm. doing it on her own and finally got permission. This is after 20 years and and writes something. A few other people had written, written about it, but really it was coming out of independent media. And finally, they couldn't put the keep the top on it anymore. It, it exploded as a story. But yeah, just as much as it had been held secret for so long, the minute that 
Jeffrey Epstein was gone, dead, maybe not dead, killed, maybe not killed, killed himself. Maybe not. We don't know. There's really, I right. haven't seen any compelling evidence that any one of those particular outcomes happened. So I don't know. He may be right. dead. He may not be. Um, yeah. But as soon as that story was gone, it was gone. And I actually compare it to something most people don't remember, but um, Elliot Spitzer, uh, the attorney oh, general yeah. in uh, New York. And mm-hmm. he, w- he was sort of caught uh, with prostitutes, I think, in Albany or something like that. And so he was that story got more coverage and lasted longer in the media than Jeffrey Epstein. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is crazy. Right. I mean, you could say they were both bad men. That's probably true. But I mean, Elliot Spitzer, OK, it was like consensual sex with a prostitute. You probably shouldn't do it. And maybe he paid for it kind of lit. But Jeffrey Epstein like ran this ring of like literally kidnapping <laughs> girls yeah. and like using them as sex objects for yeah. for decades. Mm-hmm. And and that story was just here and gone. I mean, it's it's just crazy. Um, so yeah, no, I, absolutely, you're right. The story the story went away very quickly. And and when you say the Jeffrey Epstein trial, I mean, there was no trial. I mean, it was it was, it was no done. Trial. There was a trial of Ghislaine Maxwell, but even that was you know sort of here that was gone. nothing. Yeah, and it's gone now after she was convicted and. What do we hear about her now? Yeah, she's in a, a low security prison in Florida now. Okay, great. Um, and how about when have all the you evidence? ever heard of a conviction for prostitution or any of these crimes where none of the actual perpetrators are ever talked about? That's the part how did, that how did drives the me crazy. Elaine Maxwell happened, and we never got to talk to about any of the people that actually. I mean, she was guilty of a crime for sure, but mm-hmm. any of the people that actually, you know, participated took part. Yeah. Right. What yeah. Was the Bill Clinton or the Alan Dershowitz or the, you know, Prince, was it Prince Andrew or one of the Prince, Prince Andrew. The British princes? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, right. I mean, what a crazy, what a crazy thing. And so it's still, yeah, that story is still largely censored. I mean, it came out, but it's still largely censored. And mm-hmm. it's because it gets right. I think it gets right to the heart of something that um, people don't want, don't want us looking at. Yeah. The government obviously has some type of hand in that play because that's the only that's the only entity that I could possibly see that would have enough power uh, to do something like that, obviously, to say to a news corporation, ixnay on that story, you know? Um, yeah, you're not going to have like one bad apple, right? Like no. <laughs> a, a bad apple at like the Miami Herald or like right. a, a bad apple at the prosecutor's office in like Fort Lauderdale or Miami or whichever district it was, isn't right. going to be responsible for like this like serial pedophile getting off for 20 years. I mean, no, it's it's an institutional issue for sure. Yeah. Do you find that? And I I guess it's true. I mean, that the political powers at play are the ones that decide what kind of news is perpetuated more out there than others. I mean, just like as you you know explained about the Elliot Spitzer case in comparison to the Jeffrey Epstein case. I mean, you think that's uh, you know, do you think that happens a lot more than what we think? Do you mean the government directly manipulating the news, the, the U.S. government? Mm-hmm. Well, it's a really interesting case. I mean, that's really what I'm trying to get at with the whole book um, is mm-hmm. specifically who's doing it. So so I spent a lot of the book documenting it, um, and then I spend a bit of it getting into who. But it's, it's, it's difficult to pin down exactly who is doing it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you can say it's the writers, the editors, and you can say, well, who's told the editors what to do and, and all this kind of stuff. Too big of a tree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. And and we could right. we could spend an hour, you know, talking about just that question. But one thing that I I think is important to point out is that you don't have um, you don't have the ban anymore on propaganda, 
that we had mm-hmm. in this country for, um, you know, 60, 70 years, right? So this is something I talk about in the book, the Smith-Mont Act, which was passed in Congress um, to ban propaganda. In other words, like the U.S. was, our government was in the business of making news, um, like distributing propaganda around the globe during the Cold War, supposedly to stop the spread of communism, and we can get into that. But the idea was that like, none of that can be used on the American people. And, um, and it, was, it was actually used in the sort of our own propaganda war at the time to say, look, like the people in, in Russia and the Soviet Union and China and Eastern Europe, they have propaganda by their governments, but we have a free press and the government mm-hmm. isn't, mani- isn't manipulating our press. That was a big sort of talking point, right? Of like differentiating the, the communist countries from the capitalist countries and like why we're the good guys and things like that. So, so that Smith-Munn Act lasted and then it even got strengthened after the whole... Um, the church committee hearings that, that brought out mm-hmm. uh, Operation Mockingbird and, and a lot of the the big, it was one of the biggest releases of sort of clandestine information about our U.S. government's activities happened in the early 70s. And that mm-hmm. led to a strengthening of the Smith-Munt Act because, we because you know, it was realized in Congress that, that Operation Mockingbird, the government, the CIA was literally placing journalists, placing agents at uh, publications. Media. It's probably right. still going on today. And I write a lot yeah. about that in the book. But anyway, so then the Smith-Munt Act was actually repealed uh, under Obama. I don't know if you know about this, but so uh, mm-hmm. now you have a scenario in which the government, and then after the Smith-Munt Modernization Act, they always name these acts, these sort of sort of innocuous sounding titles, but the Smith-Munt Modernization Act was really the Smith-Munt Repeal Act. And, uh, and then there was another act that followed it that gave funding. So, so you repealed it and then you actually funded the government to create news. And they say supposedly it's to combat the disinformation, misinformation of other countries' news. And be that as it may, really what they're doing is they're saying, we're going to actually pay people to to create news and distribute it to the American people. Mm. So the fact that that's going on, in addition to manipulation at the New York Times and the Washington Post and NPR and Fox and these things, but that that they're directly creating news. And during COVID, they actually... I think they put $2 billion into addressing uh, vaccine hesitancy, as they call it, um, which is basically propaganda for the pharmaceuticals, I would say. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're definitely in an era where the government is, the U.S. government is actively, as well as possibly, you know, behind the scenes, but actively creating news. Yeah, I think there was um, an article written some time ago where they, they talked about the U.S. government and them spending upwards of $500 million on, I think, fake terrorism videos you know and um just just to think that they would spend that much money on just something like that <laughs> yeah you know as what opposed I mean? to like addressing homelessness or like you know right now there's you can't get any baby formula like right instead we need yeah. to i know yeah ra- I know. ration baby formula that's what that's where we're at right now um speaking about china uh, going back a little bit um what's your take on this whole social credit thing that they're doing do you think that's something that's going to trickle over here to the united states one day well, yeah, I mean, it is something that keeps me up at night occasionally. I mean, when yeah. you hear people praising the Chinese system, I, I spent a lot of time in China. I think the Chinese, the it's a beautiful country. The people are great, very kind, great food, a lot of beautiful art. We do not want anything to do with their political system. We don't want anything mm-hmm. to do with how they run any part of that. And we certainly don't want um, a social credit score, a social credit mm-hmm. system. It's literally right. like right out of sort of Orwell or one of these uh, dystopian novels. There's even, I don't know if you ever watched Black Mirror. Have you ever watched yes. that show? Yes. Oh, yeah. That episode. Show. <laughs> Fascinating oh. 
sort of our modern Twilight Zone. You know how the Twilight yes. Zone was the the favorite show. My of favorite the, show. Yeah. Yeah. Still so, is. So yeah. Here is is the modern day Twilight Zone. And there's an episode. Did you see the one where they they literally have the social credit score with the woman who uh, ends up at this wedding and she's sort of like she's she's trying to get to the wedding, right? She's got a knife and she's like you know, basically going to attack her so-called friend because the social credit score basically made her, I mean, ruined her, right? She's basically ruined crawling her. on her hands and knees to get to this wedding so she can get up to a 4.0 credit right. score or something. Right. They do a great job. And I, I think it's it's on point. I mean, yeah, we don't want anything to do with that. It's literally, it, it's it's so close to a totalitarian uh, infrastructure that, um yeah, we don't want anything to do with that. Tony Brasunas, of course, author, journalist of Red, White, and Blind. Um, thank you for joining us. Uh, when is this uh, book going to be available? Yeah, the book will be out uh, mid to late October. So, um, mid to late October? So look, okay. Look for it then. Go to uh, TonyBrasunas.com. You can find, um, you can sign up for my newsletter there. Everything will come out. You'll get it right in your inbox. Um, I also have a number of things there from the book, uh, sort of a balanced media diet, talk about the new enlightenment. Um, mm-hmm. and some of the other concepts of the books. Yeah, I'd love to have your um, uh, your interest. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to uh, definitely send all our listeners there as well. Um, another thing I wanted to ask real quick, Tony, before I let you go, um, you know, this problem that we're having with the distortion of media and censorship and things like that, you know, again, what are some of the solutions to this? What, what are the things that we can do? I mean, I know we kind of talked about it and touched on it before, but is there anything else that we can do? Um, you know, can we, what else, what, what, what else, what other options do we have at this point? Great question. I, um, yeah, I, even on this interview and maybe in the book, like there's a big part of it that's sort of not really doom and gloom, but sort of like having to show you how bad the system is. And it can feel right. fairly depressing to realize, wow, look at the level of manipulation, look at the level of deception dating back all the way. I mean, I go back to the 1920s and the beginnings of uh, propaganda with um, Bernays and, and Walter Lippmann and all of those kinds of the early beginnings of it and how it's been going on for 100 years now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're in a we're in a predicament in that sense. Um, but there's a lot of good news, too. And I spend the last third of the book really getting into that. So um, one of the things I talk about quite a bit is this new enlightenment, which I see is happening. And so what that looks like is thinking for yourself. Um, we're entering a new era where there's a huge opening of available information to us. And if we can uh, approach it with what I call media consciousness, which is like, don't just sort of, you know, go down the rabbit hole or drink from the Kool-Aid or whatever, but like actually have Mm -hmm. your mind intact and go and don't take any one source as the truth and have a balanced Mm -hmm. media diet. And I actually propose a diet for people that have 30 minutes a day or an hour a day, or if you want to spend two hours a day, whatever you've got, or even if you want to unplug, there's a diet sort of for the unplugged media fast, where it's just like an hour a week. Um, Mm -hmm. And you diversify your media sources and you have some corporate media in there. You have some independent media, you have some, what I call red news and blue news, you know, on the the different sides of it. And there's also uh, some, what I call deep politics, looking at sort of the deep state stuff. Then there's foreign news. So there's a real opportunity right now for people to, to wake up and to start to think a little bit more broadly. And what this, the, the possibility of this is to step out of the, you know, the divert, uh, the, what's the word? Um, when you have this division and this, um, mm-hmm. where, where people are so pulled apart based on whether you believe this side or you believe that side, 
there can be a awakening where we are able to connect with people across the spectrum because we're able to understand news from different perspectives, right? So rather than see just one side to a to an issue like the Mar-a-Lago raid or even something like abortion or gun rights or racism or whatever it is, you can understand multiple sides of it. And so you can start to talk to that person that you have, have had difficulty, right? Like the uncle or the you know, niece or your husband or wife that might have a different view um, of it. So mm-hmm. by diversifying our media diet and by stepping into this new enlightenment, we have the opportunity to see things from a much broader, in a much broader way than we ever have before. We're actually entering a new era where the ability to see and to know what's happening in our world is unparalleled in, in, in recent times, actually ever. So mm-hmm. the fact that like we can have this conversation and put it on the internet and anybody can see it, or that I can go right. and actually watch something happening and film it and upload that video, it's actually a very exciting time. It's a very exciting mm-hmm. time to see what's going to happen next with how we inform ourselves about reality. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know what? I, and I think that's great. Um, and, and for instance, because it, it kind of lit a light bulb for me here. Um, I remember when I was on the road, I I, I work on uh, business development on my nine to five and I'm constantly on the road, um, you know, always different hotels, planes, trains, automobiles, you know how it is. So uh, while I was doing a lot of that type of work and out in the field a lot, I was watching a lot of news. A lot of news. I was taking in a lot of news. And just because you're there in a hotel or an airport and there's a TV there. So you just first thing you do is you turn on the television, you put on the news. So I remember taking in so much news that it was actually making me unhealthy. (laughs) It really was. It was actually permeating into my my everyday life because I was always constantly wanting to know, okay, what's going on next? What's going on next? And then having like polarizing opinions about so many different things and you're not really understanding what the real truth was. So I totally believe in what you're talking about right there about having a balanced media diet and um, not taking in too much at the same time too. So I I think that's really great. And um, you're eating too much junk food. That's exactly what it was, man. It was too much, too much Skittles for the brain, man. It was not good. It was not good at all. Um, you know what? It's so funny that, you know, we we, we talked about Operation Mockingbird earlier. Um, who do you think currently right now in the mainstream media is uh, an operative? <laughs> <laughs> what is it? The oh, Anderson boy. Cooper? Um, is it uh, Don Lemon? Is it uh, Maddow? Is it uh, what's the other guy on, the, on Fox? What's Will, his name? Uh, yeah, there's a number of, you know, I, I would refrain from speculating. I mean, I, I, there's a few names yeah. that I do look at in the book. Yeah, I mean, you have Anderson Cooper, who actually interned at the CIA for two different yes, he did. summers, not just one summer. He entered there for two summers, never yep. had any training in media or journalism, didn't show any interest. And then suddenly he's a media guy, has a quick rise. He, mm-hmm. he spent some time overseas, has a quick rise. And then before you know, it, he has his own show on CNN. He's sort of at the pinnacle of the corporate media establishment looks very much like a Mockingbird, what I call a Mockingbird career. Mm-hmm. What you had with Operation Mockingbird, which is known, so it's very free to talk about it. What you had mm-hmm. in Operation Mockingbird is several ways. Like they would actually find some of the most prestigious journalists and they would, the CIA or, or, or the, like defense intelligence would approach them and say, mm-hmm. uh, hey, you're, can you do your patriotic duty and uh, just, just mention a couple of these things and don't mention so much of that. Or, or who knows how, how they were, but then they were brought in you had that going on. You also had actual agents placed at, you know, media establishments, major, some of the major biggest newspapers, Time Magazine. And then even more, you actually had um, 
and this is certainly still going on, you have intelligence agents in upper management at media mm. organizations, mm-hmm. right? So the ones that actually write the headlines, not the story, the ones right. that actually edit rather than write the stories, that's where there's even more manipulation going on. So we know that was going on then. So to infer about today, I think is uh, is not too hard to do. Um, I might mm-hmm. refrain about guessing about other names without that. Yeah, it's a fun game I like to play. And it's, it's you know, it's funny because one day on my travels, I actually met Tucker Carlson and um, spent about 15 minutes with him at a bar. Wow. Huh. Yeah. And took a picture with him and everything. And he is not the same Tucker Carlson that you see on TV. Let me tell you that right now. That guy is a show on TV. A complete show. The guy that I met was completely different, was just a regular guy like you and me. And it it really opened my eyes. It, it just happened about two or three years ago. And it really opened my eyes because I was like, oh, I get it now. This is all for fun and show or, you know, this is not real. This is all like, you know, fantasy land. And it, it hit me like a, a ton of bricks, man. And I, I met him and nice guy. I can't say he was a mean guy or anything uh, you know, of ill, you know, he was very nice, very, uh, you know, gentlemanly. And I can't say nothing bad about the guy, but then you see him on TV and he's just completely different dude. <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay, now I get it. This is uh this is a big old, you know, cloak and dagger thing here that's going on. So uh, it was a very interesting wake up call for me. But anyways, nonetheless, uh, I digress. Um, listen, Tony, again, your book, Red, White and Blind. Make sure you go to his website, TonyBrasunas.com. We'll have the link here at the bottom of the page. Uh, Tony, um, thank you so much for joining us on Dark Fringe Radio. We definitely, definitely love to have you back on here in the future, maybe right before the book comes out, and uh, maybe do a little quick, uh, you know, a quick chat with us. How's that sound? I'd love to. Will, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, have Absolutely. me back anytime. Be great. Absolutely. Tony, thank you so much. Again, TonyBrasunas.com. Make sure you go check out his book, Red, White, and Blind. So make sure you go ahead and check it out. Make sure you go to Amazon.com and make sure you pick it up. Uh, it'll be a great read, I promise you. Again, uh, TonyBrasunas.com. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll have you back on. Thank you so much, Tony. Wonderful. Thank you. Well. All right. All right. Have a good night. You too. All right. Take care. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Mr. Tony Brasunas. Uh, make sure you can go to his website, uh, TonyBrasunas.com, and also you can go to RedWhiteAndBlind.com and check out the book right there as well. Uh, again, they are having an online uh, book release on February 7th, so make sure you go to TonyBrasunas.com and check that out. See how you can jump on the uh, Zoom meeting and uh, be presentable for that. So uh, we really appreciate him coming on the podcast and spreading his knowledge. And uh, again, uh, thank you guys for coming on another edition of Dark Fringe Radio. Make sure you go to our website before I let you go, darkfringeradio.com. That's where you can uh, find all our stuff. And uh, that's pretty much it for tonight. Jay, you have anything else to add for uh, the episode? Be consistent in level, Mm -hmm. but be creative in movement. There we go. I like that. That's very good. Very, very good. Very Marcus Aurelius. I like that. Very good, Jay. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it hit me while I was shooting pool the other night. I was like, I remember that next time I podcast. There we go. Man, very nice. Well, listen, uh, we really appreciate you guys uh checking us out. Make sure you check out our website, darkfringetrader.com. And uh, that's it. We'll see you guys again next week. Dark Fringe Radio, your premier source for the paranormal, conspiracy theory, and true crime. <laughs>